Welcome, everybody, to the Sack Attack Fantasy Football Podcast and the Fantasy Football Advocate Podcast. Today, we have a special guest with us. Sniz Fantasy Football decides to join the show this week. Uh, we just want to say hi to everybody real quick. And I know Advocate has something very, very special to say today. We'll, we'll let him get started. All right. So, uh, call my love life Kenyon Drake because it's absolutely broken. <laughs> that's, the, uh, that's the starter for today's episode. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we, we got lots of topics to cover today. So, our main ones are going to be waiver wire and we're also going to be answering your guys's questions that you uh, asked us earlier on our instagram pages uh real quick we are going to go ahead and mention the names of the accounts so that way you can follow us if you guys are listening and you have not found us from instagram my at is at sack attack underscore fantasy football i'll let you guys go next all right um my at is news fantasy football on instagram and mine is fantasy football advocate all right. Okay. So we'll hop right into it. So, um, waiver wire. So this week in the waiver wire, I want to know who each of our uh, top priority ad is this week. It can be the same exact player, but I want to know who is the one guy who's available in less than fifty percent of leagues that is your ad for the week. Well, yeah, I'll go ahead and start it off. Yeah, if, you, uh... yeah you go ahead. So I, I'm going to throw out two names because I think there's one name that I would rather have immediately and then one name that I would rather have rest of the season. The name for this week is Brandon Ayuk. Um, Debo Samuel just got ruled out for another two weeks with an injury. So Brandon Ayuk is 49% on sweeps, just underneath that threshold. Uh, he's going to be getting a lot of those jet sweeps. He got one last week against New, uh, New England. I think he's a guy that you can be looking at moving forward as that has wide receiver two upside. But in terms of uh, end season, Jalen Rager is my guy. And I know where probably a lot of us are going to say Jalen Rager. Mm. At 14% owned, and he, once he comes back, there is no weapons on this offense. Him and Goddard, and then maybe Fulgham, are going to be the main options on this offense that desperately needs him. So, my two guys. All right, Sniz, we'll let you go next, and then I'll finish it off. Well, one of my first guys has definitely got to be Chase Edmonds. He wasn't featured on my waiver wire post today because, you know, Chase Edmonds, he's not available in a lot of expert leagues or people that play fantasy football a lot. I mean, Chase Edmonds has been on rosters for weeks now, but he's still not over that 50% threshold that we all try to get to at the waiver wire. So I can kind of see why he's a pickup for most guys. But my deep guy or deep dive guy here would be the uh, Michael Pirine. Um, with the New York Jets. I definitely like what he's got going on over there with Frank Gore. They got him involved a lot more last week, and I think he ended up with around 13 PPR points, if I'm not mistaken. And most of that was on the ground. And it, we know he can do it in the air as well. And I expect them to get him in the air, moving like um, get him in, uh, involved in the air a lot more going forward. The schedule going forward isn't as pretty as most people would like, and the game script really doesn't favor Pirine here with Gore on the team as well, but with that noticeable um, output from last game and his snap percentage going up every game, I definitely think uh, Pirine can be a guy in these deeper leagues that can possibly give you a couple good weeks coming up. And my second guy 
is Nelson Aguilar. He's also another deep dive guy. He's only owned in like 1% of uh, NFL leagues, if I'm not mistaken. That's crazy. Yeah. And like my friend mentioned to me earlier, he's like, I've had Nelson Aguilar. I'm like, exactly, man. Like these guys that have been going off like for a couple weeks now, I'm not mistaken, week four and five, he had 14 points in both of those weeks as well. But his targets keep going up as well especially since Oakland is playing from behind a lot as well. I love the game script. I love playing players off the game script and the volume and opportunity they'll get in games. What do you guys think about that? I like it. Yes, sir. All right, so I'll go ahead and get on to my number one waiver wire claim for the week. Now, this one I'm surprised wasn't mentioned by either of you guys, but mine is definitely going to be Carlos Hyde running back for the Seattle Seahawks. So Chris Carson is now dealing with a midfoot sprain. And it forced him out of the Seahawks versus Cardinals game this week. And Carlos Hyde has had to take over mid-game. During that, he had 15 carries for 68 yards. Super close. And a score. Mm -hmm. And then he also had three catches. So if Carson does end up not playing week 8, 9, 10, or throughout the season, Carlos Hyde is the starter. One thing that we all have to remember is that last year with the Houston Texans, Carlos Hyde was a 1,000-yard rusher. So we all know he still has the ability to do it. He did it last season. Uh, he's still talented. Um, if you're looking for a deep dive, though, DJ Dallas is also an interesting option. But Chris, uh, sorry, Carlos Hyde is the guy in Seattle as long as Chris Carson is injured. And then another guy that I know Advocate called out last week and said pick him up a week early, Tevin Coleman is my number two ad for the week. So the 49ers backfield is just in absolute shambles. Um, and Tevin Coleman comes healthy off the IR. Should be able to uh, play this week and throughout in the future. Uh, he is also a good add. And we never know how the 49ers backfield is going to look. But if I was to place money on this and make a bet, I would say that Tevin Coleman is the guy to own in the backfield. And we all know that we want a piece in the 49ers backfield because they run the ball very well. Oh, yeah. yeah you, you just don't want to get McKinnon. Like you, uh, oh, last week, where not. Jarek McKinnon just got absolutely nothing and Jeff Wilson took over. But now Jeff Wilson's hurt, so yeah, don't really was, know. I got a lot of Jeff Wilson question marks on my waiver bus today, and I, I just didn't even, you know. like if he has a high keep, ankle sprain. Yeah, exactly. If you don't keep up with that, like, I, just, <laughs> I don't have time for that. <laughs> but going back to what you said about LaMichael P. Ryan, I, I do agree with LaMichael P. Ryan in the sense mm-hmm. of I don't know how in the world they use P. Ryan better than Le'Veon Bell, but it seems like P. Ryan, he's a slower, he's more a patient a, runner. I, uh, I think it's more of a chemistry thing, I'll, to be I'll give honest. You, I will give you two words on why it happened. It's called Adam Gase. That's why. <laughs> that sounds a bit like it literally is. And somehow Frank Gore's getting targets. So eventually you'll see P. Ryan get that because exactly. there's nobody else in that backfield. So yeah. once P. Ryan gets that, I mean, you're not going to be able to get a starting running back in the waiver wire. No, like, not at all. Just late in the year, not at all. So if you're able to have that, that's something that you should be definitely investing in moving forward. And going to what you said on Carlos Hyde, I don't know exactly if Carson, because we had this earlier a few weeks ago, where Carson was day to day, and then he ended up playing. Yeah, uh, if, a, I wouldn't, I I wouldn't burn that, too much fab. Yeah, I wouldn't burn too much fab if you're using the fab on Carlos Hyde. A midfoot sprain 
you know, they usually heal within two to three weeks if it's a really severe one, but they've already come out and said that Chris Carson is, isn't as severe as it seemed to be. And he was out there standing on the sideline last night. He didn't actually like, they didn't rule him out immediately. They didn't, you know, like Chris Carson's the guy, like he, he doesn't miss a lot of games unless he actually has to. And that's what I like about Chris Carson is he's, he's a workhorse and he moderately always stays healthy, but like Advocate said right here, don't spend all your fab on Carlos Hyde. I like the pickup. He's definitely a guy that you can stream if you really need it for a couple weeks here. But I expect Carlos or Chris Carson, I'm sorry, to come back within two weeks. All right, sounds good. So uh, that's our top pickups. Um, I want to know uh, your guys' opinion. Uh, is there any tight ends on the waiver wire that you would consider as a streamer or a pickup for this week in particular? If I'm not mistaken, Logan Thomas is on the waiver wire in most leagues. Yeah. And that would be my guy. Yeah, Logan Thomas uh, is available in most leagues. I know he had the good week one performance. Uh, after the week one performance, though, he's been pretty lackluster and hasn't done mm-hmm. a lot. But, uh, you know, it could happen. He could return back to decent usage. Uh, but, yeah, personally, myself, I don't see any many uh, good tight ends on the waiver wire this week at all. Uh, we've I mean, seen there's not many. Good I will, I will, I will, I will throw out a few names. I will throw out Dallas Goddard, and the reason I'll say Dallas Goddard is he's coming back mm-hmm. from IR this week, and he's fifty percent. He's under the fifty percent on threshold, yep. so he's still on a waiver wire post of mine. Right, so him is definitely a name, and I'm not sure what exactly. So Austin Hooper has an illness. Harrison Bryant came in and played a yeah. tremendous role and had two touchdowns. So if he is the guy again, if Hooper's out. I would stream Harrison Bryant in a deeper league. All right, that's a good call. Good call. Good call. Um, yeah, like you mentioned though, Dallas Goddard. Uh, I'm not gonna take credit for this at all, but he was one of my bolder predict- uh, predictions uh, at the mm-hmm. beginning of the season. I said uh, that Dallas Goddard will take over Zacherts' role and will become better. Uh, we haven't seen it happen yet, but there's a good chance it happens. So Dallas Goddard, man, absolutely, he is. My bold prediction call for the year that actually worked out. Uh, rest in peace, Nick Chubb, top five. Um, that's it's very unfortunate, but at least I can ride this one out. So. And Zacherts isn't re-signing in this offseason. They they know Goddard's too good. Yeah, no. To just pay Zacherts. Right. Not what okay. they're gonna do. Right. They have to use that money to actually go find a weapon. Even mm-hmm. even Richard Rogers. Richard Rogers right now, honestly at times has been playing better than Zacherts, which is surprising. Wait. Who would have ever thought we would say that? But Richard Rodgers, who was the tight end three coming into the season on the Eagles, has had games that are better than Zacherts. So they still I wouldn't have... be surprised if he has more points on the year than Zacherts. Yeah, I wouldn't either. So that just goes to say that I'm just basically saying that even if the Eagles get rid of Zacherts and they're like, oh, well, where's their tight end depth? They have Dallas Goddard, and they still have Richard Rodgers, so they should be perfectly fine. And they need to go spend their time to go get a wide receiver. I mean, they have Jalen Rager, but at the same time, are you going to rely on Travis Fulgham to be a wide receiver too? I expect them to not re-sign Jeffrey and Jackson because they just haven't been healthy. So they're going to either have to draft a wide receiver, which this draft class is loaded at wide receiver, so they possibly could. But... Once again, I see them having an opportunity to draft a star wide receiver, and if they pass up on it this time, you can't. You can't. 
The well, only if they, if they the pass up if they if they pass up on Jamar Chase, they, the I don't Eagles even know. I think Jamar might team. go. Jamar might go first, and then you know Waddle might fall to him. But Waddle has the broken ankle, so that's the real exactly. interesting part. He's that's out why for the they year, might get so... him at a discount. Yeah, so it's like so the top seven wide receivers, and since I uh, I ended up coming up with the top fifty rankings, so I ended up having before the Waddle injury, I ended up having Chase Waddle, um, Bateman Smith Moore, and then Tamori and Terry, who has like insane vertical skills. That's a guy that they could they could possibly lean towards, or even Justin Ross, a guy who has an injury concern, but is a top two wide receiver if he's healthy. So this draft class is loaded. So if they swing and miss. On every single wide receiver here, GM needs to have or Howie Roseman needs his name called for his job. Right. Agreed. Here's another thing that's pretty interesting that we have to notice. We all know that the NFC East is easily the worst division in the NFL right now, and uh, whoever leads the division, whoever ends up winning the division, is going to have a pick outside the top twenty, and the rest are probably going to all have top ten picks. So if the Eagles win the division, their shots at getting uh, the receiver they want is not near as likely than the teams ahead of them, especially teams like the Washington football team, who actually could use a second receiver outside of uh, Terry McLaurin. Absolutely. It's like, so basically, is there an incentive to win the division at this point? Unless you're there the Eagles. Isn't. So like, if you're the Cowboys, you don't have Dalton right now. You don't have Dak Prescott. And then you're playing horribly. Danucci season. The <laughs> season. You have the Washington football team, who their wide receiver too is some guy they picked off off the, off the street. Um, and then you have the Giants, which good lord, if they win the division, yikes! So unless it's you're the really Eagles, there's mark. no incentive to win this division. So you should just not win, so you could get a top pick. That's just me though. I'm actually, if I was the owner of any of these teams, I'm not half it's opposed sad, to that. It, I really you could am. Tank. Yeah, no. You can tank in this division and still win it. Yeah, no, it's crazy. <laughs> you could. I mean, wow. You could roll out, like, you could just, like, lose as many games as possible. Then when the playoffs get there and you're, like, the you're you're the four seed because you won the division, which, again, a little bold and controversial, but I feel that is the dumbest rule in the NFL right now. Is that the winner of this division gets a home like a home playoff game? Right. Okay. I I mentioned this last year, I believe, or well, no, actually, I didn't have the podcast last year, but I was mentioning it to somebody. I can't remember who, but I said that, uh, do you let every division winner inside the playoffs? I think you do. I'm perfectly fine with that. There has to be some sort of an incentive for being first in the division. But the teams need to be reseeded after that. The division winner does not automatically get the fourth seed, in my opinion. The Eagles should easily get the seventh. And that's just my opinion. Uh, the, the Eagles, the, who would then be the seventh seed, should be playing the number two seed into the playoffs and not the five. Or, well, no, this year it would be the... No, it'd still be the five. I just realized there's so much stuff that's happened this year that I completely forgot that the NFL added another playoff seed yeah like they, they did they did ended up adding a seven seed <laughs> with all like the mlb did all their stuff like they added like four extra teams and then the nfl just did that and i just had no idea until you said that i just remembered i'm like well so yeah no they if there's seven teams that make the playoffs in the nfc it's probably going to be three maybe even four nfc west teams could possibly make 
the the playoffs and yet the NFCE still has a representative that makes no sense right like I like I said though I'm not against having say the Eagles in the playoffs because they did win the division that should count for something otherwise the divisions mean nothing I'm just saying when like we don't we shouldn't automatically give them the fourth seed because they won the division if they are the worst of the seven teams in record and after going through the whole tie-breaking process they should be the seven seed not the four I agree with that. All right. So we'll go ahead and move on to. Uh, we could talk about an interesting topic. We could even talk about uh, the good old Kenyon Drake, uh, Chase Edmonds thing, if you guys want to. It's completely up to you. I heard it's time for <laughs> some slander. Okay, I, I'm not here to slander because I, I was a big fan of his. But <laughs> so, so the thing I will say though about chase Edmonds, so it kenyan drake is going to be out multiple weeks with a tear in his ankle they're treating it as a high ankle sprain so he'll be out four to five weeks is what they're assuming so with chase Edmonds, is what you have i think you have a guy who when they were playing together it was clear that chase Edmonds had very less people in the box there's actually a player profiler stat where Mm -hmm. he had 1.2 less players in the box and I think that number goes down in the sense of he's going to end up having more people in the box because he's gonna, they're going to have to run the ball. Even if it is an afterthought on an offense, they're still going to have to run the football. So in terms of efficiency, I think his efficiency goes down, but he does take the RB1 role. So he does have good numbers. There's a lot of people who have said he's an RB1 for this month. I don't necessarily buy it. I think he'll be a mid-RB2 for the rest of this month because I think his efficiency will go down and there will be times where he just isn't involved that much in the offense. He does will, will have some receiving volume. I think in terms of like his efficiency, it'll go down, but his productivity is definitely going to go up. So he's definitely a pickup that you should have, but he's not a guy that will be an RB1, in my opinion. Right. No, I actually agree with that a lot. Um, however, though, the four to five weeks is the perfect amount of time for Kenyon Drake to lose the starting job. Just saying. I know I can see that. We all know, we all know what happened to David Johnson last year and how Cliff Kingsbury managed that situation. Um, Would not surprise me if Chase Edmonds actually outscores Kenyon Drake, even when Kenyon Drake comes back after the injury. So with Chase Edmonds, with how much he had the ball last, or like with how much snaps he had last game with Kenyon Drake injured, he still only had five rushes. So at the end of the day, I think this is going to be a team that's going to pass most in the league because it's like an air raid offense in the sense of like a Texas Tech or an Oklahoma State where they they throw a lot of short intermediate routes and they just keep on doing that. So with Chase Edmonds, he's not a great runner of the football. But if you do have like a small amount of people in the box, they will run the football to test you. So his efficiency numbers will be that way. So I'm not exactly sure how, in terms of yards per carry, I think it, those will definitely go down. But mm-hmm. like his receiving volume will still be there, so that's why I still view him as an RB2. Yeah, that's what's going to keep him afloat. Right. I wouldn't even be surprised if uh, a guy like Eno Benjamin might steal some of the rushing work just because I wouldn't say he's a great runner of the football out of Arizona State. He was a nah. seventh-round draft pick. I do think that one of these running backs will – there's no way Chase Edmonds gets 100%. So there's obviously going to have to be a guy who steps yeah. in and takes some of that running volume. I think it'll be Eno Benjamin. 
I couldn't tell Agreed. you who another running back on that roster is. But if it is Eno Benjamin, he's only a power back. So Chase Edmonds will still get receiving volume he got plus a little bit extra rushing. Yeah, so that's why I only view him as an RB2. Right. Yeah. I, I don't I, see sorry. Eno getting all of the volume that Drake had. I mean, maybe split that in no, half and not. give that to Eno. But Chase Edmonds is obviously a definite upgrade here. But he's, like you said, he's not going to be an RB1, I don't think. Like last year when DJ was hurt, though, he had some pop-off games. And he, he won people a lot of games in fantasy. I just don't see Cliff using that again. I mean, I drafted him in a lot of leagues, so I wouldn't mind him being yeah. an RB1. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. but the way they've been using him and the way they used him yesterday with the Kenyon Drake, uh, with Kenyon Drake injured, I'm not sure exactly if he's going to get what he got last year because last year he had like two 30-point games and then Kenyon Drake took over the job. Mm-hmm. So, in Arizona running backs as a whole last year averages the RB3. So, like if you take all the games that they were starting, they, they were the RB3. But the reason why is they would run the football 26, 27 times. And if you go back to those games, ended up rushing 26, 27. So if he's only getting five in this game, I think Max, he'll probably see around 15 to 16. Yeah, I was going to say. So that. get that receiving volume. But a guy like Eno Benjamin may steal some of that volume. Right. Um, as far as the splits go, though, I'm thinking it'll probably be around a 70 30 split at the best for Eno Benjamin. So yeah, Eno Benjamin definitely gets an uptick in value. However, I still definitely don't think he's anywhere near startable, except in mm-hmm. uh, 20-man leagues, maybe. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he's not, not worth a start by any means. He's like a complete deep dive start in deep leagues, even. So yeah, no, completely agree with that. Yeah, if we look at his upcoming schedule, too, I mean, we've got a bye week, Miami, that should be pretty favorable in terms of game script for him. Buffalo, they're going to have to throw their way into that. Hopefully, yeah. I don't know with the way Buffalo was throwing it or playing last game. And then he's got Seattle again. He could definitely go off for another 145 yards against Seattle. And then New England, you don't even know what to expect out of them anymore, man. The Rams, yeah, New, New they're, interesting. they're a pretty solid defense. And then you got the Giants, Eagles, 49ers in the fantasy playoffs, but Drake will probably be back by then. Yeah, I would assume Drake, when he does come back, he will steal some of that volume. I, he, Chase Edmonds could win this job. Like, we're not denying that that's a no. possibility. Yeah. I think it's a possibility that could happen because simply Drake might not be healthy enough or any one of those circumstances. So, I want to know what your guys' take is if they are a Drake owner. Should they sell at like whatever price they can get, or should they try to hold and hope that they can get what they got? Uh, not that what they got last year in the fantasy playoffs, but at least something for the fantasy playoffs. Right. No. It all it all depends on your record, if you ask me. Um, yeah, if you if your team's that. if your team's one and six, um, you you definitely got to get them out. Or if you're two and five, three and four. No matter what, right there, you've got to get him out. I mean, take whatever you can for him, even if it's a bench wide receiver and you need some extra depth there. Just take it. Like, but if you're on the six and one type, you know these type of guys, seven and zero, oh, five and three, those type of guys, or five and two, my bad. Um, I definitely think that he's worth a stash if he's already your RB three or four, probably your four if you're that good of a team in this circumstance of 2020 fantasy football. Yeah. But, um, yeah, for sure, that's what I think about Kenyon going forward. Right. No, I somewhat agree with that opinion. I feel that it's uh, really good, a really good take. However, 
uh, for me, I just don't want anything to do with Kenyon Drake at all. So I would sell him for whatever you can get. Uh, anybody worth slightly more than a waiver wire pickup at the moment is what I'd be willing to take for him. Yeah, I would try to package him in a it, like. Let's say you are in a winning circumstance and you do want to package Kenyon Drake, or like if you do want like a guy to stash, I would or much rather stash a guy like DeAndre Swift or an Antonio Gibson in a package deal because you can't do Kenyon Drake for DeAndre Swift straight up. That's just not going to happen. No. If you if you do have like Kenyon Drake as a guy, it's like another playoff team and he's stashing a guy like DeAndre Swift, um, or a guy like J.K. Dobbins or a guy like Cam Akers with absolute no value. I I could even see a guy like that in. Like a trade like that, where they do have upside going into the rest of the year, versus Drake, which you don't really know if he's going to have the job when he comes back. So right. trade here. Let's let's mock up a trade. Let's see what the people think here. Um, say you're in a full PPR league. Your team is one and six, and you have Kenyon Drake. Um. You're going to be trading with another team that's fairly uh, above 500, and you you get an offer for Kenyon Drake, and you have Devontae Adams as well. You go Kenyon Drake, Devontae Adams, Robert Woods, and then you receive Todd Gurley, Tyreek Hill, and Brandon Cooks. Take it. Absolutely taking it. Right. No. Even in a sense of, I think if you're in in a one one six scenario, unless you're one of those guys that's getting extremely unlucky, because that's a possibility. If you're just getting extremely unlucky with points, I think that's something that you need to evaluate, and like you should keep your team. Mm -hmm. But if you're a one in six and you need to make a desperate change, guy like selling a guy like Devontae Adams for whatever pieces you can get, it does sound bad, but you do need that all around, like you need all around value. So like. Devontae Adams is only going to do so much, and he's obviously cost you weeks because he hasn't been healthy. So mm-hmm. are you willing to take that risk when you're trying to make a playoff push at the end, especially if this is a money league? Yeah. I mean, and getting a guy like Tyreek in return for Devontae, yeah, Tyreek's boomer bust, but he booms way more than he busts. Right, yeah, exactly. Uh, one and the guy upgrade, that could win you a week. Yeah, and the upgrade from Drake to Gurley is so exponential here. It basically – just equals out all value that you're losing from Adams to Hill, if not more. Right. Uh, by itself. One thing I do want to note, though, and I do want to make sure that, in my opinion, is very clear, is that trading down is a good thing if your team is currently at least one or more than one game below 500. At that point, you're like, just give me the guy, give me somebody startable at every single position. However, I do, you do want to be cautious of trading down too far. And the reason mm-hmm. I say this is that sometimes you can trade your top-end guys down for, like, mediocre, not really mediocre, but just start-worthy players. You will have no star players on your team, but you still want to leave, like, one spot, normally, like, your flex spot or something like that, available for weekly streams or waiver-wire targets. So don't be worried if one spot in your lineup is super weak. The waiver wire, if you're active on it, can help cover that. So that's my advice is trade down is fine as long as you are covering all but the one spot. Because what happens if you trade down your top end talent, right? And then you're like, okay, I got three good running backs and three solid uh, receivers. And then a flex play comes up and then he's at even level of those type of players, right? You they're then just wondering about start and sit decisions for the rest of the year, and then you get frustrated when you play the wrong guys. 
I'd rather have the one spot available to just plug and play my waiver place during the week. Yeah, I can agree with that. It it also depends on who the waiver wire ad is. Like if it's if it's a guy like Lamichael P. Ryan, you could take a chance on it. But if it's a guy like let's say, uh, well, let's say, I think of a name, but like you obviously have to be calculated with it. Randall Cobb. Of, yeah, like Randall Cobb. I there's not a singular singular matchup that. Yes, he could have upside, but at the same time, you're banking on like a one percent chance of that happening. You'd rather have like a calculated uh, waivers guy, like a guy like Carlos Hyde, if Chris Carson's out. That's why you you're making you're trying to make a playoff push. Like let's say in a money league, and you're trying to make a playoff push because you want to save your money that you ended up putting into the league. This is the time where a lot of the guys at the top of the league will kind of slack off and they think their team's good this is the time for you to be active and grab some of those waiver wire guys but at the same time evaluate your team because there's guys that are on your team that you don't even realize have like some sort of value after that week you just don't realize it i bet you nobody would tell you aj green had 13 targets tyler boyd had 13 and t higgins had five so it's if you have an aj green you could be like well he had 13 targets he's back in a sense of you can try to sell high at that at moment. Mm-hmm. You just need to be more active than the other members in the sense of you're going to be able to gain an edge on them, and that's how you're going to be able to make back the money that you put into the league. Right. No, I actually completely agree with that. And touching on to the point that I mentioned earlier about uh, not trading down too much, it's, it's a good thing in certain situations. Like I mentioned, if you are more than one game below 500, say you are too... Right now, we have, what, seven weeks to, gone through the fantasy football season. So if you have two two wins or less, right, that would be just, just below 500. Trading down can be a good thing for you. Otherwise, I would not look to trade down. However, uh, trading up is almost always a good thing, in my opinion. So if you have three solid running backs and three solid receivers... I would rather trade that up into two really good running backs, into really good receivers, and then leave the flex spot open, like I said, to just continue to be active on the wire in trades and give yourself a spot where you can just throw in a player. I would rather have four really great players than six kind of good players. That's just my thoughts on it. Uh, If your team, obviously, you have five or six great players who are all playing at a top 15 level at their respective positions, that's all good. Uh, you can't trade up a whole lot more, but like I said, I always want to have as much elite talent on my team as possible. And uh, touching on elite talent, um, I think we can move on to talking about like elite talent that hasn't really shown up, and a guy like Ezekiel Elliott and what to do with him, because I've gotten a lot of questions personally <laughs> in my, my chats where they'll be like, is Zeke for Henry? Like, is Zeke for Henry? Or should I trade Zeke for J-Rob? I'm like, uh, I don't know. But, like, that's the thing. So there is guys who panic after one or two weeks with a guy like Ezekiel Elliott because they're like, oh, they lost Dak, and now he's had two really bad games. Absolutely. So, by low. Exactly. That's that, what it screams what to me. We'll promote. Right. No, actually, I completely agree. I do feel like there is some things to worry about in the the Cowboys offense a little bit. Because the last two weeks we have not seen good production from them by any Absolutely means. Absolutely not. Against against they're not the scoring co- touchdowns. Yeah, they aren't scoring yeah. touchdowns. They haven't done good against the Cardinals. They haven't done good against the Washington Football of all teams. 
However, I do think they, they will. Yard. They just haven't put up. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They should bounce back. They should be able to at least score more than double digit points in a game eventually. And I think that eventually it yeah, will happen. Now that they have Ben DiNucci, like Zeke <clears throat> is getting fed of the ball. Yeah. If, like, if Andy Dalton doesn't play. He'll Andy Dalton will probably be out one one or two weeks at max. Let's be honest about that. I mean, it's it's a concussion. It was a it hard was hit, dirty, though. Yeah, it <laughs> was a hard hit, man. But I mean, literally, the fact that people are willing to sell a top three consensus pick right now after two weeks without Dak Prescott is is it's kind of wild to me. I think it goes to show that we we think of things like so much like in the now. It's definitely trendy. So at. trendy. Yeah. It's so trendy to where, like, week one, you have Sammy Watkins go for 40, and people are asking, should I trade Sammy Watkins for A.J. Brown? I'm like, uh... uh absolutely not. <laughs> exactly. Right. So it's like, Come on. Right. Now... There's there's a difference between being trendy, but I would rather look at a trend in terms of two to three weeks. Yeah. That way you, you have stability in that because... Exactly. You could even... Or when you're trying to make another argument, if you're if you only have one piece of evidence, an argument that's not as good as having two or three pieces that back up that same claim to if that makes sense mm-hmm. it's just better to have more stability in your trends so with zeke if there's another week of this it still would say he's a buy low but like not in the same ranking as we once had him but he's still fine like he just needs to uh stop visiting chris carson for fumbles <laughs> Both of them just seem to struggle with I it mean, right now. I mean, if we look at his next two weeks, he's got Philly and Pitt, and it's not favorable for him. And he and if he does end up coming out and laying a dud again, that's just even going to bring the concern level even higher. But if you look at his um, fantasy playoff schedule, he does have San Francisco week 15, and then in your fantasy Super Bowls, Philly again. And we're going to expect Andy Dalton to be back by this time, but like we all said and we all know, Zeke gets fed. And Zeke is a durable back. Zeke doesn't miss games like Zeke, and especially in 2020. Like, there's so many running backs hurt right now that was drafted in the first round. And this is one of the only guys standing, man. Like, wow. one of the only guys who's played all yeah. the games. Like, you got to think, CMC has been out, Saquon's been out. Yeah. Uh, Cook. Dalvin Cook has been out. Miles Sanders has been out. I mean, Drake is now out. Joe um, Mixon. I think it's Nick Joe Mixon Chubb. has been out. Austin Eckler. <laughs> Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs just had, yeah, he's had one. Kenyon Drake in some leagues. I mean, it's all over the place, dude. Like, right. We're all relying at him. this point on James Robinson and Miles Gaskin. So yeah, him. James, that goes to show. Zeke. Put some respect on James Robinson. He's RB2. Yeah, Zeke and Kamara are the him. only two that have somewhat been <laughs> uh, that have been healthy like all season. And they are the top yeah. two backs rest of season, in my opinion, still so far. I mean, if somebody offered me Derrick Henry for Zeke, oh, come on. I have to take it, but... Yeah, uh, so like a Zeke-Henry scenario, I would take Henry. What's the lowest you're selling Zeke right now? Uh, That's a good question. That is a great question. You'd still obviously need a consistent RB1. If you aren't getting a consistent RB1, it's definitely not worth it. Yeah, I don't know if I'm taking Jacobs. For for me, in in a trade-down scenario, like let's say if, if I have Zeke, the only way I would probably dump Zeke is if it's Henry straight up or if it's one of those RB ones plus a wide receiver like yeah. asset. That would be the that would be the only thing like, I would do. Like I would mean, you, you would, get, uh, like let's say for example you, you could even get a guy like J Rob and DJ or J Rob and uh, Allen Robinson or like a guy like that. I would I would take that. 
Right. I was just going to mention, would you take Zeke for J-Rob and uh, A.J. Brown? Absolutely. Yeah. I would absolutely I take think, that. I think I'd I would too. But, like, you, like, again, if you do not have the consistent RB1 to kind of help get rid of Zeke, I don't. I would not really consider it very heavily. It's a very interesting topic in terms of Zeke right here. Right. That was actually one of my questions uh, from the story is, should we sell Zeke? Uh, should we panic? Uh, yeah, like we said, the the answer is no. And the reasoning is he still gets work. He's Zeke. He is one of the most stable backs. You you Of course, uh, every week he does something like this, his rest of season outlook kind of goes lower. But that doesn't mean he's, he's worthless now, and you should just get rid of him just because he's had a bad last two weeks. Some people look uh, too far into the short term. And you need to look at it from what do, what can we expect rest of season? Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, <laughs> I, I hate to be all educational, but it's like when you take economics and you, you you look at things so much in the short term that you don't realize the long-term benefits. So you think of everything in like that one little bubble. And like once you look outside of that, you really start to see what the benefits are to A.J. Brown when he was injured or when to Zeke when he was injured. Or not when he was injured, but now. So... Mm -hmm. Like, that's definitely scenarios where you kind of have to look outside and be like, once he does get back to his form, I am seeing RB1 production, or in AJ Brown's case, a wide receiver one production. Right. As my, that's what he's been. Right. As my fellow, um, as my fellow people from the stock market say, buy the dip. <laughs> when, when Zeke stock tanks, buy the dip. That's what you should do. Absolutely. His rest of season. His rest of season value is still as a top five consistent RB. There's really no need to panic. It's it. Look at it this way, right? It's like COVID hit and what happened to the stock market, right? It's kind of the same type of deal with Ezekiel Elliott. You can buy low. He should return back to his normal form. There's really nothing to worry about. Uh, if he continues to have it, though... Um, Obviously, then there's some to worry about, but two weeks is not too much to worry about. He should definitely bounce back. Yeah, I would definitely limit your expectations. Don't expect Zeke to be the RB one next week or week nine, and then his buy comes in week ten. But I mean, he's definitely going to be a top twelve back, I think. Right. And going forward, it's crazy that people are like, like going into the year. If somebody would have told me James Robinson would be near uh, Ezekiel Elliott. It would just be something that you you're just yeah, I would have laughed. I would have been like moving on to James Robinson. I would have been like, like who James is Robinson this idiot? has shown yeah <laughs> James Robinson has shown a lot of flashes and in terms of redraft I'm very excited for what's to come. But dynasty I don't I made a trade and I want to know what you guys think about it because I I did a dynasty trade. Um, with, I'm in a dynasty league with fantasy champs and basically so I ended up trading J Rob. For Cortland Sutton in a 2021 first round pick, or, or not a first round, a second round pick. Now, the reason why I would do that is I'm going to explain my reasoning. So James Robinson with Doug Marone and Jay Gruden has had a good chemistry. I don't know if I necessarily expect Doug Marone to be back. So if he's not back, you have new personnel, you have a new GM who will probably be fired after this week, after this year. So if they end up firing him does james robinson still see that role or do they end up going with their new guy like a third round pick we see this a lot of times with running backs so i, I kind of want to know y'all's take on that 
I definitely think a running back, like an undrafted running back like Robinson, is is easily replaceable. Even though we know the skill set, we know what he can do. He'll find James Robinson might be the type of guy to find four or five different NFL homes and actually go off with each team, but never like find Philip a Lindsay. stable home. Like yeah, Philip Lindsay, where he's an undrafted free agent, and then they see another guy available in Melvin Gordon, and you're just like, oh. Here we go. Yeah. Like, exactly. Especially so. if they continue to lose and Trevor Lawrence comes into the situation. Because if you draft a guy, you're definitely trying to change things around the, um, his oh, environment. So if, they have Trev- if they have Trevor Lawrence, they'll definitely try to get like a new surrounding cast. They'll exactly. have DJ Dark, they'll have Chanel. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if they take a guy in the second round, like a Journey Brown, like a Chuba Hubbard or Chuba Hubbard. A guy like that who fits their mold more like with the new coaching staff than J Rob does. Right. The only thing that concerns me about that trade, though, is Drew Locke going forward. Does he's just looked awful? Right. No. I, if I, I if I got a chance to change one thing, it would be that the Broncos would just lose out so that they could get Trevor. Yeah. The that the weapons be... that the weapons that Drew Locke has, he has Cortland Sutton, he has Jerry Judy, he has KJ Hamler, who's one of the fastest players in the NFL. No offense. Tim Patrick is his wide receiver four, and no offense. Philip Lindsay, Melvin Gordon. Mm-hmm. So it's like, like, and they're if, not a bad offensive line either. They don't have a bad offensive line. Like, I would take Trevor Lawrence over, over Drew Lock. I would take Justin Fields right now over Drew Lock. I don't know about Trey Lance, but uh, uh, I, I wish there was a good quarterback in this offense. But he did target a, a lot of Cortland Sun, and he's been targeting the big yeah, body. If Patrick. I did have to say one thing about. Um, Drew Locke, it's that he does like to find those guys on the outside that will run those um, um, stretch routes and that will be out there on the fade and in the corner of the end zone like Cortland Sutton last year. And when uh, Drew Locke was in those four games, Cortland Sutton was the guy. Obviously, there wasn't a lot of supporting cast around there, but even at the start of the season before Sutton tore his ACL, you could see he was the guy. Like We weren't even considering Jerry Judy as the guy over there until yeah. the injury to Sutton. Right, I know Jerry Judy has looked. Ugh, I don't know. About yeah, Judy he's definitely still a, lot of he's still a buy. He's still a buy in dynasty at oh, the right price. Right. I just hope. I I hope at the, in two years their quarterback is not named Drew Locke and it's somebody better. I'm almost positive that they won't have Drew Locke in two years, but <laughs> we'll see. I, I, you I, know how they I go with quarterbacks, them. man. All right. So yeah, one you, thing you never know with them. One thing that I wanted to mention is in dynasty trades. The key thing to look at is not only kind of like this year's value, obviously, because it's a dynasty mm-hmm. league, but yep. to what point in the future do you look uh, in the future? For me, I don't think you can look super far, but I think you three can't look years, past three years, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah, I think three would years would never take is a the trade for spot. like a 2024 pick. No, like never, or 2023. No, no, absolutely not. Right, but either be 2021 or 2022 if it's a first round pick or a, or maybe a second, but that would be. <laughs> Yeah, like I had a guy ask me one time, "Oh, should I trade like Philip Lindsay in my 2026? Like your 2026? <laughs> like, yeah, what, is, what is this a high schooler? <laughs> like, yeah, this is good in ninth grade right now? Like, <laughs> right, exactly. And one thing, one thing that I'm gonna mention, and I know it's it's gonna sound weird when I say it, but uh, James Robinson kind of reminds me of Justin Forsett, not necessarily in uh like physically but it's it was a it was uh he's on a bad team uh the ravens uh when they had justin Forsett were not particularly the greatest team 
And then uh, Justin Forsett, I believe, was undrafted. He was like the third or fourth string running back on the team. And it's kind of the same type of deal. Is uh, James Robinson is in a very similar situation. Third, fourth string running back on a bad team. Breaks out, has a decent year. And then I feel like next year or in two years, he kind of easily... It's so easy for him to be replaced. And he could just fall off and do absolutely nothing next year. So in Dynasty... You have to capitalize on his value. Yeah, running backs are the most replaceable position in the NFL. Exactly. Like at any Facts. moment, they just decide, oh, the, if there's a guy like Travis Etienne in the first round, I'll go and take him. Or if there's, let's say, for example, if there's a guy like, I, I know that Dalvin Cook got extended, but if there's a guy like Dalvin Cook and they look at a guy like J-Rob, just be like, oh, well, Dalvin Cook's better. Let's go pay him $10 million a year to come be our running back. So it's like... It, it, you can never trust so like in dynasty leagues it's good to have consistent rb ones because you ne- you never know what will happen with those guys like miles gaskin miles gaskin for all we know in a year the dolphins could end up drafting a running back and mm-hmm. gaskin's just gone so you, you just never know so it's it's an it's a question of especially if you're rebuilding and you get a piece like james robinson it's a piece of or it's an opportunity to see whether you believe that this guy is going to last in the NFL, or do you think he could easily get replaced? Because with undrafted rookies, you have success stories like Arian Foster, but you also have guys like Lindsey, where within two years, he's stuck behind Melvin Gordon. Right. Another thing that you also have to keep in mind, though, is if your team in Dynasty is not anywhere near contention, right, and you're in a rebuild, you should always be rebuilding your team with a wide receiver first focus. And the main reasoning for that is that wide receivers normally right uh, wide receivers normally have longer careers than running backs and normally once they become good they stay good for a longer period of time where running backs we see they'll do good one year and then we'll kind of not do well the next they're pretty inconsistent running backs also get injured at a far higher rate than receivers so if you're looking for some consistent stable uh, long-term assets for um dynasty wide receiver is the first thing you need to look for and like i said if you feel like you got a running back who will only last for maybe the one year and will kind of be like a one-hit wonder uh you should sell and hopefully get the uh wide receiver like you did you got court and sutton who you feel has uh some sort of a future within the next three years so like to echo on to that because i if me and you are both in the duo dynasty league so I ended up trading, this is before Kenyon Drake got hurt. So Kenyon Drake and DJ Shark, CD Lamb and a 2021 first, and then a few other assets. But like, you do want to have that wide receiver like focused in the sense of like a lot of, like, especially if you're on a rebuilding team, you should have guys like CD Lamb, Justin Jefferson, T Higgins, um, Jalen Rager. Like all of these guys are going to be, or AJ Brown, guys who are going to have tremendous value for the next five, six years. You don't know, like with running backs, you never know. So, like with your high first round draft picks, like if I had a high first round draft pick, which I do, you you want the best situation. So, like last year it was Clyde Edwards Hilaire. That didn't necessarily pan out. You're when you take a rookie, for the most part, they're in rookie drafts. There'll be one or two running backs that are available that have RB two or RB one upside that you're ending up getting just by waiting and kind of tanking that season in that dynasty. Right. No, actually, I agree with that entirely. Now, when I'm saying you need to be building a dynasty team with more of a uh, wide receiver focus, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be going out and acquiring 
uh, three trades young running backs. There's really nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying if you have, say you are not contending this year and you have good running backs on your team and you're looking to just build for the next three years, trade your good running backs away and get young receivers. Uh, If you want to, you could also go with a young quarterback. Personally, myself, I don't really recommend that too much. I know lots of people in the dynasty community say uh, build with a quick QB uh, because they have their long term. The truth is, is that uh, QB will also be good one year and then will not be good the next year. It changes so often. And then at the same time, you can just play matchups with old cheap QBs. And I mentioned this in last week's episode with you. That's why I would rather go with a wide receiver focus. And then uh, maybe if you want to and say wide receivers are built up, you could actually just go spend money for an elite tight end like a Mark Andrews or a George Kittle. And then use your rookie draft picks on rookie running backs and hope they hit. And then if they don't hit and then you just end up keeping you continue the process getting picks, young receivers, maybe an elite tight end. And like I said, I'm fine with old QBs. You can draft like three or four of them, play matchups. Uh, dynasties have deep benches, so you're not limited to just rostering the one QB. So that's my approach on Dynasty. That's my thoughts. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Dynasty leagues, and um, I'm actually in a situation in my Dynasty league where I'm dealing with a lot, and I mean a lot of injuries. I started Daniel Jones as my QB1 this week, Andy Dalton in my Superflex, Oh, yikes. Darius Slayton is my wide receiver, two. Mike Evans is my wide receiver, one. Melvin Gordon is my RB2. Tony Pollard is my RB1. It was horrible, dude. I'm telling you, I have Lamar Jackson on by, Dalvin Cook on by and injured, Alexander Madison, Gus Edwards, uh, Jamichael Hasty. I forgot to put Hasty in, I'll be honest. Um, Michael Gallup sitting on my bench. Antonio Brown's on my bench. Jarvis Landry's on my bench. Josh Reynolds is on my bench. LaVisca Chenault's on my bench. Scotty Miller's on my bench. I'm telling you, the injuries, Austin Eckler's in IR. It's crazy, dude. Right. Eckler injuries, especially in, like, Dynasty Leagues where, like... Yeah, are we buying or are we selling Eckler? That's an interesting case. I I personally, I would... Oh, that's tough. I think... So in the sense of like if if you're in a rebuilding team and you're preparing for next year, go after guys like Saquon Barkley in the sense of this is going to be the lowest value he is because he currently doesn't have a working knee. So like in the sense of like so if you are in a league where you're dealing with a lot of injuries, there's a certain point where you do have to evaluate are you playing to win this year or are you going to stay back? It, it, Dynasty leagues are a lot like a franchise mode. If you mm-hmm. are not going to make the playoffs, if you're like, and you're a dynasty that are like your franchise that you want to sell assets in order to get more, uh, like better future long-term assets, mm-hmm. something you, you do have to consider. So like there is a dynasty league where I'm currently down Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler and Nick Chubb. And uh, so, <laughs> so and I started Tony Pollard as my RB one. It's like same as yeah. you. <laughs> so like there's, there's We're certain scenarios way. where, like, you obviously go into a year, like, if you have Cook, Chubb, Eckler, you feel like, oh, I'm definitely going to compete for a championship. And now you're just like, oh, I'm not. This. Right, <laughs> exactly. And that's why my advice for when rebuilding in a dynasty league is two things. One, you got to trade old players. 
any QBs that are over 30, except for the one, except for maybe one. Uh, tight ends over 30 as well. Wide receivers over around the age of 28, and then running backs above the age of 26. You want to sell them all. And then for running backs under the age of 26, if they are current RB1s or RB2s, sell them. Because in Dynasty and year-to-year, you never know how they'll do. They are very volatile. And wide receivers, like I mentioned, they are the safest year-to-year. We all know that, uh, just look at uh, DeAndre uh, Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, uh, Michael Thomas. When healthy and playing, they are still among the best in their position. And there's no doubt about that. And they stay pretty so- pretty solidly consistent year after year. But you like the amount of draft picks and young receivers and talent you can get from a top running back if you're not competing this year is too good to pass up on than to hold them for next season. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, and especially for me. I don't know about you guys, but I am all aboard the Cal Pitts tight end train, and I'm drafting him in a lot of Dynasty Leagues. Hmm. I'll be interested in looking at that. Yes, it, it, all depends on the land, it all depends on the landing spot. I hope. Um, I hope it's, that it's not a bad one. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's another Pitts. thing about Dynasty, man. We cannot sit here and talk about how good a player is going to be until we know where they're landing, man. Like, I remember so many people were not high on Clyde until he was drafted into the Chiefs offense. Yeah, Clyde was my RB5. Yeah. <laughs> Before, Including myself. Automatically turns into the RB1. Like yeah. I had personally, I had Swift, Taylor, or yeah, Swift, Taylor, Robbins, Speakers, and then Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Yeah. And then it flip flops as soon as you see those landing spots. As soon as you see Swift in Detroit, you're like, well, look where we are. Yeah, Cam Maker's owners are actually crying. At this point, I, I am, yeah. especially in Dynasty. I don't know what to do with him. I ended up trading him and Kyler Murray to, for, I think it was Austin Eckler and Daniel Jones. It's not a bad trade. Uh, Kyler Murray is definitely a tough asset to give up, though. I have Lamar Jackson, though. So, oh, well, that, yeah, that's yeah. Cool. Lamar, I don't know how much Lamar has, like in terms of Kyler probably will last longer in the league. But, oh, for know. sure. It, it, it's it's weird because I love how Kyler slides and it, you get he gets it from the baseball sense and him. Yeah, yeah. Lamar's it, it, never the been the guy side to slide, everything. and he still isn't the guy to slide. Lamar just tries to get out of bounds as fast as he can, and if he can't, he will make contact with you, which I've I've noticed that a lot. Lamar doesn't slide, and Kyler's got it on Pat, and you've seen it from Russ last night. Russ even took a, a little tip out of Kyler's book and hit him with the baseball slide a couple times last night. Russ has some uh, baseball background. Another so he, guy, yeah, of course. And another guy that has to um, learn how to slide is Joe Burrow. I, he Why has to him? learn how to slide. This isn't high school. He can't just truck kids. Yeah. It's so bad. Because he, he got popped a couple good times without sliding. And that's something yeah, I mean, we got to look his at. His offensive line is not helping him. Oh, dude, we all knew that coming in, though. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I've got time for one more topic, boys. So, all right, you want to just eat. you want to do some questions then? Yeah, let's do it. All right, uh, I'm already out of questions. We mentioned uh, the Zeke one earlier, so I'll have to have advocate uh, ask a question. Okay. All right. So this, uh, so let's go into some of the questions. First question comes from Luke Vargas, who asked, "Do you think Deontay Johnson will keep the same targets, and how will the Pittsburgh back the wide receiver group?" Go moving forward. 
uh, Pittsburgh wide receiver group. Um, uh, we mentioned this last week. Uh, Juju is no longer the wide receiver one on the team. It is now the Claypool and Deontay show. So do I think he keeps the same targets? I do think so. Um, when healthy, obviously. But yeah, sell Juju uh, for whatever you can. I don't see him returning at all. And I agree. And Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson are very talented receivers. We can't sleep on them any longer. We all know they have insane talent, and that's just the facts. So then, then on top of that, Big Ben is back. He's doing well, and as long as he's healthy and the Steelers' offense keeps clicking, Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool are the wide receivers to own in Pittsburgh. I I agree uh, to an extent. I definitely think Deontay Johnson's the wide receiver one. We all can we all know that, but. Uh, I think Juju is still going to be your wide receiver two in Pittsburgh moving forward if um, Johnson stays healthy. Claypool, Claypool's great. Claypool's still a rookie, though. We got to get that in mind. And, and Juju, he's the slot guy. We, we love Juju, and I'm sure Mike Tomlin still loves Juju, and Big Ben still loves Juju. Maybe his production doesn't keep up. I, that 14 targets last week was kind of random. Yeah, that was I, interesting. It was kind of random, but – Juju is going to continue to be without 14 targets. Let's expect he let's let's say he goes back to his six, eight, five, five, four targets again. You know, something like that every week. He's going to be a touchdown dependent guy, and that's where I'll agree with you, Zach. Is definitely selling him high. He's going to be featured on my sell high tomorrow. Yeah, that was definitely something that I wanted to point out. Deontay, in terms of the target share, Deontay Johnson had 15. Juju had 14, which is like. He, we didn't see that coming. Yeah, Claypool had only one. So, like, out of this wide receiver group, he had the same amount as Washington. It was clear that Claypool had a lot of snaps, and he did get a, some uh, rushing work, and he has gotten rushing work with mm-hmm. those jet sweeps that they run. It's like a like a tight jet sweep, if, 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 to put into perspective. Yeah, but, like it's a weird play call, but they end up running it a lot. But Chase Claypool. Even when Deontay Johnson was out last week, he had four targets and it was four catches. And then he had one target. So, like, there were people that were asking me, or like, and probably asking all of us, like, Chase Claypool over a guy, like, let's say, I'm trying to think of a guy, for example, over a guy like, look, there's one who asked him or Deontay Johnson. And I was like, well, Deontay Johnson, <laughs> you don't really know how this wide receiver group is going to turn out. But Deontay Johnson was the guy. And he's, isn't he banged up again? I'm pretty sure he is. Yeah, he is. He had an ankle injury in the fourth quarter last week. That's <laughs> that, that's just great. But he's fine. He's fine, though. From the reports, they say that it shouldn't be anything to worry about in week eight. But Yeah, but it's we, clear we Deontay Johnson is the one. Yeah. But if you, if you do have Juju, I think this is a selling point in the sense of he's not going to get 14 targets again. If you don't get that's any good offers do. for Juju, though, you have to keep him. Like, yeah. Like I know in the Great Iron League, I'm not gonna be able to sell Juju. Like, I'm just not. I have to keep Juju in the Great Iron League. It's just simple as that. I'm not gonna be able to sell Juju. <laughs> so, like, the worst the worst part is I have a league where my wide receiver group is uh like it, it performed so well until about two weeks ago. It was Juju and Michael Gallup. Oh, uh, <laughs> that wide receiver group doesn't exist anymore. Uh, yeah, Christian exactly. Kirk is now in. Christian Kirk's somebody I love forever. I've been high on Christian Kirk for a I, long time. 
I think all of us were kind of high on him, like moving. He was my uh, wide receiver thirty-five, I think, coming into the season. Yeah, yeah, he he was up there for me as well because Christian Kirk is a guy who like, they will focus on Hopkins, which I don't know how they like not uh, how they not focus in on Hopkins half the time. But Kirk yeah. ends up getting a lot of work, and we've seen it the last two weeks. He's been he's been scoring touchdowns and. He's been killing it for me in certain leagues. Yeah. Week uh, six against Dallas, I wasn't convinced quite yet, but I, I didn't want to toot my horn because, you know, I've been a big Kurt fan, and I didn't want to toot my horn, horn quite yet, you know, seeing that he had 22 points but you know, on three targets. But yeah, last week coming out party, I think eight targets, he's definitely solidified his role. And Larry Fitzgerald can even see more targets. I'm not mistaken, he might have had more targets than Kirk. Yeah, he had eight targets. Fitzgerald. Yeah, they both had eight. Okay, so it, the high volume and passing and game script really is what the Cardinals are built on, like we touched on earlier with Edmonds and Drake. Like, that's just a whole situation where you, you got to love them on the matchups they play. And now another thing to talk about, this isn't a mm-hmm. question, but Rojo and Fournette. Fournette out-touched and out-snapped love Rojo. It. Love that's it. That's interesting because we were all, like, high on Rojo. I think we all – I personally had him ranked in my top ten this week this week but Rojo like I kind of liked him in Dynasty because Fournette's only on a one-year deal but I don't know like every third down situation it seemed to go to LaShawn McCoy anyways when Rojo was in the game but now Fournette is getting some of that first and second down work and then on top of that he's getting that third down work that the receptions was are yeah getting. the receptions he's are getting definitely. the receptions and then he's getting as many he's not getting as many rushes as Rojo but he's getting similar to it so it's it's even a similar thing to Drake and Edmonds. Or yeah. you have Edmonds who's getting that receiving work, so is Fournette. And then on top of that, you're getting similar rushes but better efficiency. So yeah. they might turn the tide in that sense. So I'm if I if I was a Rojo owner, which I only am in Dynasty personally, mm-hmm. I would be worried. Like Yeah. I, and so coming into the week last week, I had him ranked sixteenth uh, in full PPR scoring formats. I was concerned about Fournette, but I didn't think it was gonna be that intense but i did have a concern because i did list him as a sell high on my week seven trade targets um with obviously um leonard fournette coming back i definitely knew that ronald jones lost all of his rb1 upside but i didn't think it was going to be to that extent yeah like if this trend continues for another week this is fournette's job and if i do have fournette which there is leagues where i had to hold on to fournette because i drafted I was super high on him coming into the year because of all the volume he was going to get in Jacksonville. Of course, now James Robinson has that. But if you have if you have Fournette, it, it, it's where you should hold, and you're yeah. just hoping that he breaks through. Like, Chase like you said, um, if if he if Fournette does this next week, I think I wouldn't consider it quite yet a, a solid lock that he stole the job because you know it is against the Giants. They're, they'll probably blow them out, and they'll probably use all of their weapons in that game. Like they'll make sure everybody's involved. But if Fournette comes out in week nine against the Saints, a big-time game on Sunday Night Football, and still has the job, then you can lock it in, I think. And also something to think about, they're going to be in a lot of three wide receiver personnel now with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown. Exactly. And if I ask you, if I come up and ask you, both of you, who's better, Leonard Fournette or Ronald Jones? Who are you going to tell me? I think it's Ronald Jones. I think it's Ronald Jones right now. Talent-wise, it's Fournette. Production, it's Ronald Jones. I I, <laughs> I know that's, that that seems crazy, but he's he's had 
really productive years. You just yeah. don't talk about it because he's one of the worst. Uh, he's one of the worst pass blockers in the league, which he's pretty yeah. improved on. That's why he did, he lost so many carries to Peyton Barber for the last three years. It's more of a name value thing as well because I've definitely had people ask me, "Oh, should I uh, drop Ronald Ronald Jones for Fournette?" I'm like, "Why do that yet?" It's also draft position value because, yeah. like, you you think of guys like that's why you think of a James Robinson because there's guys above him like if they draft a first rounder, he'll take over. So if you have like if you're comparing Fournette, who is a top four draft pick, who was drafted ahead of Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook, versus you have Rojo, who is a unproven second round draft pick. Who are people going to favor? They're going to favor Fournette, like in, exactly. in terms of name value and draft position. Exactly. And that's what, and that's another thing that people people get caught up too much on trends, and also people get caught up too much in the past. Like you can't live in the past. You have to adjust in fantasy football. You have to if you want to succeed in fantasy football. You have to adjust, but don't be trendy. It's kind of a, mid- a middle point there. You have to meet. Yeah, for sure. Right, exactly. I agree with that completely. Uh, the trends kind of help a little bit, but again, you have to look at it with a rest of season focus and not a, oh, what is he going to do this particular week? So mm-hmm. so say somebody struggles, right? Obviously, he's going to move down in the rest of season rankings, and his value will drop a little bit, but... If he has one bad week, it doesn't mean it's the end of the world and that all of a sudden he's not a good player anymore. And same thing goes with a player who has a boom week. It doesn't all automatically mean he's like a wide receiver one going forward. You just have to take it as in, in redraft anyway, as a what what is this player expected or should do rest of season. And then if you want to, you can also kind of amplify that for the playoffs if that's kind of your thing and you want to look and have good playoff matchups that's perfectly fine but then in dynasty you want to be looking at the next two or three seasons yeah for sure oh imagine josh reynolds stealing a touchdown from robert woods and cooper cup right here imagine Oof. cole Komet stealing 44 yards from jimmy graham when we have a, when we have a person asking who can get 15 points <laughs> right right i even said i even said it's jimmy graham uh and i know sniz did i think he said it was jimmy graham as well is so like we, he would say he's safer, and I feel he's more likely to score yeah. the touchdown, which is what you need in order to get at least a ten point ish. I initially lead. said Graham, but I did give him the my analysis on it, saying how Graham. We all told him Graham had the safer floor, which he did. He did come in, and he Graham's definitely it's got a the safer floor. Yeah, but it's like in terms Graham, of a play, yeah. Graham is like Graham is a better play, but in terms of who's going to get that fifteen. I think I it's absolute upside. When I did tell him, absolute upside. If you, it's the more risky pick, but if you absolutely need the upside, Gerald Everett could provide you that fifteen tonight. You yeah, can get fifteen we'll, we'll from see. him, or you can get three point three. What he has right now, exactly. It, it's go big or go home for him because that's the only guy he has left on his yeah, team. So it's exactly comes right. down to it. So I have one more question. All right, awesome. This one. So this guy says need a quarterback. So. He's gonna trade Chase Edmonds and DJ Moore for Chris Godwin and Justin Herbert. Okay. Want to know the opinion? Does he have? Do you know his other running backs on his team right now? I do not. But he. So basically, he's so Chase Edmonds. So I'm guessing just two hours ago. So there's not. <laughs> I I guess he knows that Drake yeah. is hurt. 
and then yeah. DJ Moore. But I don't know, Chris Godwin with eight, Antonio Brown, do we view him in the same light as – I don't view him as a, the same tier as a DJ Moore. wide receiver one anymore. I definitely view him as a wide receiver two, possibly high tier to mid tier wide receiver two. But that's where DJ Moore is going to fall along the lines. I think it's a fair trade in terms of the wide receiver acquisition here. And if he needs the quarterback bad enough, like if he's honestly being true with himself, he needs the quarterback bad enough. There's nothing on waivers. I mean, your best waiver option might be Andy Dalton. Let's say he's in a deeper league. Then, yeah, this trade's worth it, assuming that Ken, or Chase Edmonds was already on his roster as an RB4 to 5. I think completely it completely depends on what like RB. Yeah. Like if your running backs going forward are hurt, like if you have Kenny and Drake – Joe Mixon going forward, you need Edmonds on your team. Go stream another quarterback. But if Edmonds is chilling on your bench every week and you need a quarterback, this move's pretty obvious to me. And Justin Herbert has proved himself as uh, I had a lot of doubts about him personally believe, because Yeah, uh, I believe I've seen a stat on Justin Herbert since he became the starter in fantasy. He's the, the quarterback four. four. Yeah. That's wild. And we'll see how Tua plays because I'm I, I'm not I trying to be that guy, but I think the Dolphins look at Herbert and they they kind of it was it kind of seemed odd yeah. start to a uh, this week against or next week against the Rams. So, do you think that anything like it has anything to do with the fact that Herbert's playing so well that they kind of want to go I, out there? I don't because the Chargers at the time they put him in uh, put Herbert in they were awful. I don't think they had won a game. They made may have had one win. It was an injury the, concern though. Yeah, it, it was also yeah it was also the injury to Tyrod. But that's kind of sketch if we want to talk about that. That was kind of sketchy. <laughs> but now they've defended like definitively said that Herbert's the starter now because they've seen how well he's played. I don't know if that's the right decision for Miami here because Ryan Pitts like. Yeah, he was doing great, but he also wasn't doing bad. Like, he wasn't doing bad enough to sit, in my opinion. Yeah, personally, as a Dolphins fan, I do think that I wanted Tua to kind of sit out and wait a little bit. Like, I think aren't you guys three and three too? We're three and three. So, like, the Bills haven't the Bills haven't played well. Like, they they didn't play well against the Jets. Realistically, yeah, realistically, you have a shot to win the the AFC East. I mean, and then again, we'll we'll all shut up if Tua just plays so well that we like that he just shows up and plays so well that we just don't talk about fits. But like, yeah. do we do we realistically think? Like, yes, Herbert's exploded, but like, there comes to a point like there's not every like rookie quarterback coming in is just going to go and go ahead and do that. Yeah, Tua could be so, showing something in practice though that we have no idea. No, I'm I, I sure I sure hope so. I like mean, I, I sure hope that's the case. He's definitely an option where like if you I don't want a high upside quarterback to try to see if he can be a QE one moving forward. Mm-hmm. It's a guy that you could take a chance on, especially if you like were ending up streaming a guy like Fitz before this. Yeah, that's an option. That Tua was featured on my waiver wire quarterback pickups this week because I personally think he will do. It exceptionally like well not exceptionally well but he'll do moderately well this to at least be a streaming option and a possible backup quarterback on your fantasy team depending on how deep your league is but with a season-long aspect um looking at the options around him with uh, Mike Jacecki Devontae Parker who's kind of banged up still Miles or Miles Gaskin I said Miles Garrett <laughs> Miles Gaskin but Preston Williams I don't know if 
um, inexperience can lead that to the playoffs versus it's, it's, an experienced it's quarterback. It's interesting to see because, first of all, I think it, it, it does help that he's coming in like during the bye because those wide receivers are going to get used to that left hand because there's not very many quarterbacks that they've gone with that are left-handed. So I think he, they needed that week to kind of like run their offense through a left-handed quarterback mm-hmm. versus a right-handed quarterback. If I'm not mistaken, but, it's harder to catch a football from a left-handed person. I'm not sure about that, but you're just not used to it. So, like, yeah. if you're a wide receiver, you've probably had a right-handed quarterback your entire career. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you just have a lefty now. So it's, yeah. it, it, it is a little bit of a shock change. And they're going up against the Rams. So you have Aaron Donald chasing you against uh, – we. I'm <laughs> going to be honest, we don't have a great offensive line. And yeah. uh, Austin Jackson's hurt. So, like, yikes. Our left and tackle the likely will be playing from behind, too. So, Tua's going to have to sling it. And Tua's, Tua's going to show what he's made of this next week. Yeah. Right. I sure um, hope it's not a bad a bad performance. And if he does do bad, you're going to see a lot of slander. And you're going to see a lot of people that may have added him or may have him in Dynasty, for example, want to trade him off of a one-week performance. I might do that. Uh, I might go by yeah. if that's the case because – my main dynasty quarterback that I was looking at was mainly guys like Tua or like guys who haven't been performing or Justin Herbert went before he performed well because you just don't know how long it's going to take for him to get on the field. But of course, Tyrod just got his lung just absolutely yeah killed. So so like that's another thing. And also a guy like Jordan Love is a whole other interesting ball game in this whole dynasty aspect because Jordan Love. We don't know how long he's going to be there. Like, we don't know how long it's going to take for him to get on the field. Mm-hmm. Right. Because Aaron Rodgers has came out with a vengeance. Aaron Rodgers is proving that they shouldn't have taken a quarterback. Imagine if they would have drafted Chenault or Higgins or somebody. They had the ability to draft, what, T. Higgins, LaVisca Chenault, Denzel Mims, who hasn't been healthy, mm-hmm. but, like, just, for example, he's had to rely on... Don Lazard, who's been hurt now. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Robert Tanyan. Like, <laughs> he hasn't... Were they above the Vikings? Time. Could they have got Jefferson? Yeah, he, the yeah. Packers were back. Like, Yeah, I think they were 28 and, or something like that. Or 26. Think, yeah, they traded up to like 28. But no, Jefferson was off the board. Raker was yeah. off the board. Raker would have been a good fit in their offense. I would have... Right, yeah, I I remember that is, yeah, both uh, Rager and Jefferson were both taken. Uh, Yeah, but we did have a shot on T. Higgins. Uh, The Eagles... Yeah, I don't know how he would have fared with uh, Adam, so... Right. I think they kind of play a little. That's Yeah, they're they're two Um, similar guys, in my opinion. We all know that the Eagles kind of shocked everybody when they took Jalen Rager. Uh, Jalen Rager, who, whenever, at the time, I was doing mock drafts as somebody who I thought would fall to the Green Bay Packers... uh, Overall, though, I'm still kind of disappointed they didn't take a receiver. But, you know, we're still a good team, only have one loss. So you can't really complain too much about it. Overall, though, this offseason, I was pretty disappointed. In the sense of you took Jordan Love in the first round, and then you decided to go take A.J. Dillon in the second. Like n- Neither of those guys have immediate impact. Right, exactly. So like... Second string QB, third down, or not third down, third string running back who could potentially get goal line work. Then you took, uh, what's his name? Uh, he was like a tight end slash fullback. Oh, Josiah DeGuara? Yeah, goat. yeah. And then, and then after that, uh, then on day three, the you still... The tight end wide receiver, dude. Yeah. 
and then you still didn't take a receiver even in day three when that was like your glaring weakness. Yeah, it didn't make sense to me at all. None of the guys they drafted had immediate impacts at all. And that's kind of where I'm like, well, you know, you guys you guys did decent last year. Why not it? Why not add pieces to try and uh, go for a run and get it all this year, right? If you're that close, you might as well at least try. And instead, they just kind of took a bunch of future pieces. And I'm like, what are you guys thinking? Yeah, in the sense of, like, it's J- or like if you are able to get a wide receiver of, like, a first-round caliber, or even, like, go ahead and upgrade your defense, at least something that's going to help you in the immediate term. Like, I like Jordan Love. Don't get me wrong. I was higher on Jordan Love than almost everyone else, it, like, in terms of, like, overall how they graded out Jordan Love. But he needs a lot of time to develop. And, of course, you could take that, but... You take that, and then you take A.J. Dillon, who isn't going to help you either. So you could even take in a second-round wide receiver. I'm not sure who would have been on the board, but a guy like Brian Edwards or I'm trying to think of who else, like in terms of wide receivers, was available. Uh, you have, um, let's see, Van Jefferson, K.J. Hill, was, who is solid. Even a guy like K.J. Hamler, or who took a little longer for him to – Right. Even in say like the like Plus, late second round or third round, like I know I'm pretty sure we also had a shot at, at Antonio Gandy Golden, who in college looked insanely good. He is just a raw talent, like, and we just did we passed up on everybody. I hate those six five wide receivers; they almost never pan out. Yeah. Um. Well, Jimmy actually, Andy though, Golden, Hakeem right. Butler, and then you casually have a DK Metcalf, who just is the same guy, but like, that's, that's the thing. The the outside just of like quarterback and like down. attack. Yeah, that was that was insane. But if like, you were to actually look at all of the Green Bay Packer receivers, so so outside of Devonte Adams, who I believe is six uh, one. Uh, most of the rest of them are like six four or taller and are all pretty fast, and that's pretty much what they were going with: is big, fast receivers. Just all draft they they draft raw six four 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 forties. Yeah, that's what they've been doing. <laughs> it hasn't really turned out super well either, but yeah, what what they need is see they got Devonte Adams, who um is one of the better route runners in the league. He has a great release. He's very good. He's especially good against man coverage. He's talented he's a top five wide receiver in my opinion in talent but yeah what they need to pair that with is like a slot receiver or or somebody who's kind of quick and shifty because right now Devonte adams commands the red zone targets they don't need a really big um like six five wide receiver like a dk metcalf although that'd be nice uh that's Even not if that's not would, what like, the they, they, i think they would need one they would need one if he was on the skill set, not a MBS skill set, though. Right, right. No, I agree. I'm just saying, yeah. though, if you're going to draft a receiver, mm-hmm. I'd rather have somebody like a Hill, a Ruggs, or yeah. kind of like a slot receiver, somebody who uh, can catch the ball quick or go down the field quick and get yards after catch. More of a... Right, we've seen you... Devontae, though. Devontae can easily... I mean, he, he's all over the place, but Devontae, that's his. That's where he... Beast. Right. No, he's just he, he has talent across the board. He's very he's very mm-hmm. he's very good. He's solid, consistent receiver when yeah. healthy. That's that's been his main problem, is that yes, he's good, but then he'll miss about three, four, five games a season. Yeah, and then you have to go rely on 
MVS to go do stuff, and that's never gonna work. Exactly. At, and then that's when Aaron you, Jones. Those games that's that when Aaron played, Jones has. Aaron Jones games. was their number one wide receiver. Yep, that is correct. He would line up on the outside. So would Jamal Williams, and they they would be the main wide receivers on this team. <laughs> Doesn't like that shouldn't happen. It's Matt Lafleur. Yeah, good old Matt Lafleur. <laughs> Decides, hey, Jordan Love, AJ Dillon, <laughs> no impact now. All right, you let's guys go heard Stephen A. Smith say Matt Lafleur. Yeah, <laughs> the nicknames he has for some. Oh guys. man, uh, Stephen A. is never like never right too. It's kind of funny. Like he'll just <laughs> he'll, he'll like always take the wrong stance on stuff, and then he'll just like yell. But that's that's what makes him so good. <laughs> like now that the Cowboys are like so bad, oh, it's such a joy. <laughs> to just see Stephen A. It's a, it's a pain for me to watch it, but being a no, it's, fan, it's but definitely it's a pain, pain for you. But like, it, in terms of like just watching Stephen A. and how he reacts to it, it is. It's also funny watching fellow Cowboys fans that think we're still good. Talk. Oh my god! <laughs> Anyone from the city of New York, Boston, <laughs> or Dallas just overly think that their team is. Like, I'm a Red Sox fan in the MLB. These people thought we were going to win the World's like World Series. I'm over here like, name one pitcher on our roster. You can't. <laughs> so it's like you kind of need all these options. So in like the Cowboys case, they somehow always think that they have a chance at the Super Bowl. I don't get it. Right. No. It, and I'll I'll tell you the exact reason why. Is it's because they have Jerry Jones, and I know I know Snizz, you're a Cowboys fan, but I think oh, yeah. you, I think you'll agree with me on this. Okay. Every year. Year in year out, they'll add players, and they're always flashy. They are uh, who they are the type of players who are not like like they're they're good, but they're not the kind that like say are needed to win a championship. They'll they'll sign like uh, C D Lamb, right? C D Lamb's good. He was like their he's their now their defense is atrocious, right? But their defense yeah. is atrocious. Do they did they really need a wide receiver two or a wide receiver three on the team? Or do they, do they need or do they need a better defense? Do they need I more pass rush? Do they need some took. safeties? Do they need some corners? That's what they really needed. But that's yes. but you know, uh, Jerry Jones is all about I, what sells tickets, and you know what will sell tickets? <laughs> CD Lamb. Yep. But my going in, I definitely thought the Cowboys needed Kenneth Murray. Yeah, I don't. Or, I don't think that dra- like at that certain draft slot. I don't know if I liked that, but like yeah. Kenneth Murray was a guy who really would have helped. I had, like, in almost every mock, I had him either trading up or staying put to draft C.J. Henderson. I didn't like the Diggs like, pick. It was – it hasn't panned out. It was yeah, awful. Diggs is – okay, Diggs is that uh, – like, we're talking about Trayvon Diggs. We're not talking yeah. about Stephon. But Trayvon Diggs is one of those guys who just always – like, you'll see it. There's Alabama corners who they lack certain traits, but, like, are able to lock up at one point, and, like, they're able to produce on Alabama. So – end up producing at a rate that's far better and then they end up getting drafted where they shouldn't and just hasn't panned out and and even a guy like i was super high on cameron dantzler he's struggled in minnesota mm-hmm. he was the only guy to lock up jamar chase get <laughs> had, had lsu so it's like i saw i want to know your opinion or y'all's opinion on this but i saw okay. something where it's like or i saw like a twitter post where it was like, if Justin Jefferson is this good, only imagine how Jamar Chase is, how good Jamar Chase is. Mm. See, Jamar Justin... Chase is 
is so good that they had to push him in the slot. Like they had to push Jefferson in the slot and make us think that he wasn't good on the outside. Yeah, it's it's a definite question of who is going to produce at the higher level more often. And Jefferson's been a guy that I've been high on um, since the offseason as well. He was in my top 40 wide receivers coming in as well. I don't know how many other people had Jefferson as a top 40 wide receiver, but Justin – I I, I didn't. Yeah, (laughs) Justin Jefferson was definitely somebody I knew that could take over on the outside, but I also knew that he wasn't going to get – as much opportunity in the slot with Adam Thielen there. So I could see many people's concerns coming in on Jefferson this year um, of how he couldn't produce coming in, but he's definitely shown that he can. And I'm excited to see Chase in the future and see what he does. I I personally was like down on Jefferson when he got to Minnesota for that very reason in the sense of like his senior year, he saw 96% of the time in the slot because of Jamar Chase and they had Terrence Marshall as well. Mm -hmm. So who Terrence Marshall is going in the second round this year as a wide receiver. So you have all those guys on the outside and then you have Chase on the inside, not Chase, uh, Jefferson. So you didn't ever get to see as soon as he got onto the outside, what he was capable of because they just had other guys. Mm-hmm. So when you got to Minnesota, it took a, it took a bit for him to get involved because week one week two, he didn't do anything. But as soon as you watch the film for game three, and you saw what he did on the outside, you're like, yeah, he's definitely yeah. – I was wrong about this. It, it's, it's crazy to think. It'll, it'll be it'll be interesting to see where Chase gets in, uh, drafted into, what situation he gets drafted into. Um, if him or T-Law gets drafted by the Jets, I'm going, going to riot. It's very big possibility. That's the thing. No, that's the worst part. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah. Let's just hope they take, like, Micah Parsons. No, no, no offense to Micah, <laughs> but, like – not a quarterback or a wide receiver. I love Micah, but like. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, is there advocate? Do you have any more questions that uh, we can answer? Uh, let me see if I got one recently. All right. Nope. Yeah, I don't have any more either. I might want to talk about one more topic, but it's up to you, Smith, if you're able to. Uh, yeah, I've got time if it's a short topic, but if we get, you know, busting into a conversation, we'll see how that goes. What do we got to say here? We'll see what yeah. we got. So, uh, me and Zach have mentioned this the past two weeks because he still can't face the facts that Robbie Anderson has more targets than DJ Moore. This is so... a debate. This is a debate. Yes. <laughs> is this a debate? I'm I'm saying that DJ uh, Moore, DJ Moore can still outscore Robbie. DJ Moore's a better dynasty option. I will say DJ Moore's a better dynasty option okay. because he's 22. Yeah. But as of right now, Robbie Anderson has gotten more targets on in every single game except except the week before this one. You're correct about that, and that's true. Thing, that's true. It, it's 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 tough for me to say because I'm. A big DJ Moore fan. I was a big DJ Moore fan. One of my bold predictions is that he would be a top three wide receiver, and that's obviously not going to pan out. But the because of even Robbie, top three in the NFC South, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I mean, so, if Michael Thomas, I definitely continues... know he's over Michael Thomas though. Yeah. So <laughs> he's not. Oh, he's not over Robbie. He's not over Calvin Ridley. 
Yeah, definitely probably not Julio. But the th- the thing here is with me, I, I think DJ and Fantasy Champs actually uh, pointed this out a couple weeks ago when they played Atlanta. Teddy Bridgewater just doesn't find DJ Moore as often. He, his first look is to look at his old teammate. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people would do that. Just like we've seen with um, Tampa Bay in the recent weeks, they've um, Tom, Tampa and Tom Brady, they've been uh, targeting uh, Rob Gronkowski a lot more recently since he's just now learning the offense. And that was what the problem was with Rob the first couple of weeks. Um, a lot of people didn't know it. I even didn't know it. I thought Rob was a little bit of a smarter man than that, but Rob just didn't learn the offense. And and now he's learning the offense and he's getting going with his old teammate. But the same thing happens here. If I'm not mistaken, Teddy played with um, Robbie in New York. But, the Jets, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you can see it. Like, they didn't succeed as much as they did here, obviously, but they've got a better supporting cast around them, which is allowing them to build their chemistry even more. And he he just doesn't have the chemistry with DJ yet. He doesn't look toward him a lot as or as much as Robbie, I would say, because DJ does get his share. But they've they've got a they've got a plan and get DJ more more involved. And I think the first step to that happening is just Teddy gaining the field more efficiently. I I don't think it's yeah, I think thing. I think it's like it's just his first read to just go to the flat route or go yeah. to whatever route isn't like in the middle, because I don't even think it's him targeting Robbie Anderson. I just think mm-hmm. how that offense rolls, you have Robbie Anderson, who's running a lot of slants, a lot of yeah. flat routes, a lot of, and he's also lined first, up in the slot a lot more, right? Ex- exactly. So you yeah. have him lining up in the slot, running a lot of those, like it, going into the middle of the field action. Mm-hmm. You also have Curtis Samuel running a lot of short routes who's getting a lot of yards after catch. And then you have Mike Davis or Christian McCaffrey in that sense, who each of them have gotten a big amount of targets when they've been on the field. So it's almost like DJ Moore is like the intermediate route guy, but like what what we expected him to be. But we also didn't expect Robbie Anderson to be the short route guy in New York. We expected him. Yeah, that's what we expected. None of us expected him to be that nimble six three what what is he 170 180 and skinny noodle yeah he is skinny like if he got popped by one of these linebackers he's gone (laughs) like he's just there running flat routes running slant routes over the middle of the field and he's getting i definitely expected roles to be switched i I definitely expected robbie to mean more the intermediate guy and coming into the season but obviously that's just not the case the thing for DJ though is he he can still like he still has opportunity in this offense, but with CMC coming back, who does this affect more? Your Robbie guy or your DJ guy? I think it affects Robbie a little more, if you ask me, because CMC. Uh, I think he does. Yeah. Yeah, he'll he'll be getting his um he'll be getting his little short routes and stuff and his dump off screens. CMC's obviously going to do that, and Mike Davis will probably get in the game for about ten to fifteen percent or more. If they're Mike smart, if, involved. yeah. If they're smart, they'll involve Mark Davis or Mike Davis more. And it's just simple as that. But the thing that affects Robbie Anderson is those short routes possibly getting taken away by CMC coming in. But I definitely think Robbie going forward, we have to adapt in fantasy, like we said earlier, and exactly. adapting to knowing that Robbie Anderson is now the wide receiver one in terms of fantasy football in Carolina. I think is. I think is definitely the case here. But if you ask me who's the better receiver, I'm going DJ Moore. 
Yeah, I would say that. Right. Sex, are you ready ready to apologize? Yeah, you know, I'll just do it. I'll do it. I I apologize. Um, I thought now technically, DJ Moore still had a better fantasy week this week, but he was wide open touchdown. They they so they they are so not invested in him anymore that they just leave him wide open. Right. Now technically, technically he had a better fantasy day, but in order to be the wide receiver on your own, on your own team. You have to be uh, the most targeted, obviously. So because of that, I am wrong. Because of that, I am wrong. I will, however, mention that DJ Moore scored more points in uh, less touches, <laughs> less attempts. So I'm, I'm not going to say I'm completely wrong. I'm going to say more or less that I'm half wrong. But I still, still, uh, regardless, I have to offer my apologies for that. Yeah, I, I, I think it, I think it's uh, it's funny though because like Sack, you would be completely right here if DJ Moore was getting all the targets. You would be the one that was correct here, and we would be the ones that would be probably eating dirt. Exactly. Yeah. It, but but also to keep note on is the fact that going into the Bears game and going into the Saints game, we've looked at some of the I've looked at some of the coverage reports. Kyle Fuller, so the wide receiver, uh, like the cornerback one in the Bears. Mm-hmm shadowed Robbie Anderson yep in the in the Bears game and then this game Lattimore was the guy who was on Robbie who stuck on Robbie for most of the game he didn't shadow him but he was like heavily they're treating him, him as the wide receiver one the NFL is treating Robbie Anderson right now as the wide receiver one yeah so crazy. that could that could That's be crazy. good for DJ Moore like that don't get me wrong it could DJ be kind Moore, of an AB juju situation but you know minimized because the quarterback's obviously not as good, and the receivers obviously aren't as good. But right, I still yeah, feel like DJ Moore is the yeah. most talented receiver on the team, even Agreed. though Robbie Anderson is getting more targets. So that's kind of where that's where I was with this argument: is DJ Moore's the most talented? He could bounce back. He should uh, get more targets. Uh, however, I, I have to make the apology because I did get it wrong. Technic- <laughs> technically, technically, uh, technically half wrong because he still scored more points with less touches, but he was not the wide receiver one in touches on the team but i still think that dj moore and robbie anderson can still have similar production rest of season honestly and it wouldn't shock me if still if dj moore does outscore robbie anderson from week eight on uh, it's possible mm-hmm. be, just like you mentioned with the coverage but um yeah my my apologies to everybody for uh saying that dj moore <laughs> is the wide receiver one on uh carolina uh, and again, like I said, I'm half sorry, not full good. sorry, because I'm still <laughs> somewhat right. Now, now we're turning this into sack slander because he can only half apologize for. <laughs> because I was only half wrong. If if DJ Moore's uh, got less points than Robbie Anderson, and had less targets, then I would be completely wrong. The problem, you know though, what? The problem though is that DJ Moore had more points than Robbie Anderson, <laughs> but Robbie Anderson just had more work. So technically, I Robbie hope DJ Anderson Moore gets more targets Thursday. Me too. I, me hope, too. I hope he does, and I hope Robbie Anderson outscores him off a seventy-five-yard bomb. <laughs> you never know. It's Atlanta. It's, oh my God, Atlanta. Yeah. Atlanta. Oh yeah. No. There's, there's Thursday it's, night. It's, lots this is of it. This is it. This is on it. That one. DJ name, Moore breakout okay, game. Name one corner on the Falcons. You can't. There's single... isn't it isn't it Terrell? Hey, oh, AJ Terrell's back. Okay, yeah, so he's not yeah. bad. But uh, Isaiah he's still Oliver, got ooh. he's he still got killed last week. And Terrell has like D- a DJ lot more bounce back. Galladay mossed him multiple times. Oh, Galladay, but Galladay's Galladay. Yeah, exactly. A monster. And Stafford is actually 
amazing. I don't care what anyone says, dude. I'm tired of you hearing just couldn't Stafford get slander. Yeah. Stafford slander. Stafford slander is it Stafford kills. recognition. That's what we need. We need yeah, Stafford we need, recognition. We need some of that. How about that. Okay, okay, let's get on to this one, though. Uh, can we do some Todd Gurley slander? Imagine trying to not <laughs> score a touchdown, and then the way you, he fell you, down, though. you slide into the end zone. Bro, how? How do the Falcons keep choking every single game this season? I swear, I feel so That's bad. I feel lose. so bad for I any Falcons fans I, yeah. right now. <laughs> I saw a stat where they have they like in three games this year they've had a ninety nine percent chance of winning at one point. Yes, I saw that too. It, it, they had uh, against ninety nine point nine against the Bears, Bears, Lions, and what was the other team? Uh, there was one more. It was Bears, Lions, another team. They had ninety nine percent. Cowboys. Cowboys. Yeah, Cowboys. Okay, ninety nine percent chance, ninety nine percent chance, and ninety five percent chance in the fourth quarter, and they choked it in every single game. Yeah. And this, and they only won what one game this season against the Vikings, I believe. If I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure they only I won one, one game this entire year. And every week, a lot of people, and they've been the favorites for most of their games, I believe. And they just can't, they cannot pull it together. And you know what? All that blame has to fall on Todd Gurley this week. Nobody else, uh, Todd Gurley. It is all your fault, man. Uh, you you tried to stop on the one yard line and you right. failed. You failed at to stop running. Uh, you looked <laughs> like you, you looked like Daniel Jones on Thursday night, who somehow got tripped by a magic ghost from the field. Right, you just couldn't stop running. He just fell straight up and looked like he was going like fifty miles an hour heading to the ground. But no, Todd Gurley, man, what are you doing? You suff- worst DJ- part is that touchdown resulted in fantasy wins. I- it did. It did. It's it's good for fantasy, right? But at the same time, if you're Todd Gurley, man, your whole goal, like like fantasy aside, your whole goal is to stop at the one yard line, let the clock run out, the Falcons have the win. Instead, the Lions get the ball back and then they win. And that's that's all that's all you can say about it. And you know, I made a meme about it on my page. Uh, it's like when it it, it said uh, when you um. When you try to stop the one-yard line but accidentally go in for a touchdown and then it's DJ Khaled uh, suffering from success, that is exactly what happened. You're suffering from your success, and you know, that's 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 terrible. You know, the Todd Gurley touchdown really killed me in the gridiron as well. Even yeah. though I still wasn't a one, it just, it just put the dagger in me. Yeah, we'll go for those who doesn't know, for those who don't know, I did play Advocate this week in our half PPR expert league, and he I post matchups. I don't think I did. We're still trying to find the twelfth member. Yeah, I almost had one. Can I manage two teams? But he declined very politely after telling me the team can, was can, garbage. Can I manage two teams? <laughs> can you do that? I'd make I I'd make know. some very fair trades. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, you picked up Andy Dalton a day ago, Zach. I know I did. I regret that so much. I thought Andy Dalton had have a bounce back week against the Washington football team and their terrible organization. I don't blame Completely you, wrong. Honestly. Completely wrong. And you know, that's another thing is I I didn't public I didn't publicly tell people to like go pick up Andy Dalton or whatever, but you know, yeah. beans I did it, you know, I have to offer another apology. Um I am I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for my own failures. Uh, I'm suffering from from me being stupid. Uh, it's not from success. Um, that, that's all I can say. 
<laughs> All right, so one more guy to slander while we're here, Jerick McKinnon. Dude, he must have. Dude, bleep it out, man. But this dude must have got busy with Shanahan's wife. <laughs> I put that in the chat. I was like, yo, this dude must have Shanahan's wife or something. Dude, I don't know what happened there, buddy. But my friend put $24 fab on him that week, and I put 23 and I'm so glad he put 24 at this point. Like, Didn't you put up negative? I think he did. Yeah. I think he did. Negative 0.1. <laughs> I had two rushes for negative one yards. Again, I will say what, pick up Tevin Coleman. You have to pick up Tevin Coleman. We don't even know who the running who name a running back on this team right now. They have Jamichael Hasty. Yeah, yeah it's, Tevin, it's Tevin, Tevin Coleman who's back. Tevin Coleman and Jamichael Hasty are the top two running backs on the team right now. Who's who's let Mostris out? McKinnon's garbage. Yep. Wilson's out. Wilson's better than McKinnon. Wilson's better than all of them. <laughs> Just Wilson. Wilson high ankle sprain. It's Just give it to George Kittle. Just give it to George Kittle. <laughs> Honestly, like let's let's just get Debo Samuel to be running back at this point. Honestly, I wouldn't mind oh, having he's George Kittle too. at running back. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's hurt. He's hurt too. That's why Brandon Ayuk yeah. is also a pickup. Yep. This 49ers team, man. They are going through so many injuries oh right now. Don't don't even say Dante Pettis. Don, Dante Pettis. <laughs> Dude, he was a returner. He was a returner. Give him a chance. It's like God, he he burned me like three two there, years man. ago. Hate that guy. Yeah, he's awful. All right, boys. All right, that's going. I guess we can go ahead and end the show there if you guys are good with that. Yep, that is fine. All right. So one more time, we're gonna mention we're gonna mention our at so that way uh, you guys can know where to find us because this is gonna be the end of the show. You can find me at sackattack underscore fantasy football. You can find advocate at fantasy football advocate or at Kenyon Drake slander is allowed. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and you can find Sniz at and you can find me on Instagram at Sniz Fantasy Football. All right, and that's going to end the show. Remember, Todd Gurley, uh, uh, rest, rest in peace, Todd Gurley owners. Uh, that, that's all I got to say. Uh, suffering from success, uh, goodbye.